During this time of limited travel, increased isolation, and stressful media, we want to make the most of this time right here at home. Let us be your escape from life's monotony. Allow yourself to indulge in your wildest travel fantasies and discover the constant beauty of this ever-changing world with the Wanderlusting Wives podcast. On today's episode, Allie is going to tell us all about her experience in Bolivia as part of a service learning trip. Welcome to the Wanderlusting Wives podcast. We are your navigators, Allison and Regan. And today we'll be diving into the culture and some adventures to be had in Bolivia. So we're we're not going to be in the United States. We're not going to be in Europe. We are going to be in South America, uh, in Bolivia, through the lens of a service learning trip that Allie actually went on a few years back. So before we get into that, uh, let's head off with our icebreaker. Allie, would you rather stay at a hotel or an Airbnb? And why? Oh, this is a good one. So probably like five or six years ago, I would have said hotel because Airbnb was somewhat new. And I'm like, God, that seems a little sketchy. Um, But then after you just take that leap into the Airbnb world, I feel like there's no turning back. Like it's just an unreal experience. You get to live in someone's home for a couple of days and sometimes you know, they're even there. So you get to connect with someone who lives in that area. So that's really great. And you have the extra amenities of like a kitchen. Sometimes they have a backyard, maybe a hot tub or a pool. And that just kind of sets it apart from a hotel because you're not sharing all that stuff with maybe hundreds of other people. So that's kind of why I lean more towards Airbnb than hotel. Um, How about you, Regan? Yeah, I agree with all of that. Like, Like you said, and I know we've touched on this in our previous episodes, but you stay with an Airbnb and you that comes with a host a lot of times. And so you can get to know them. And if they're from a different country or even from a different town or anything, you just get to know their stories because everyone has stories. Um, And that's really special. Um, And also, if you stay in a hotel, like, think about it, you can get to some really beautiful places, like you can stay right on the water or anything like that. There's some beautiful hotels, but hotels take up a lot of real estate. And so it's like this big area, and that's kind of it. Versus an Airbnb, you can get into those smaller areas. You can stay in tree houses. You can stay in yurts. You can stay in all of these different kinds of places that take you deeper into the environment, which I think is really cool um, in tandem with that kind of getting to know people aspect of it. So yeah, I think I'd go with Airbnb also. All right. So moving right along, we have a really special interview for you planned with our very own Allie. Um, Allison, as some might say, but I call her Allie because we go way back, of course, as you know. Um, So a little bit more about Allie. You've been getting to know us a little bit, but uh, really to dive into her background a little bit more to kind of preface this episode and where we're coming from. So Allie is from a very small town in western New York, but she currently lives in Pennsylvania. I wish she didn't. I wish she lived closer. (laughs) But from a very young age, she began traveling the world and hasn't stopped since. Uh, She has a passion for travel and also for helping others. When she's not traveling or teaching, you can find her spending time with her husband, Nate, visiting family and friends, or reading a good book. 
Allie, what are you reading right now? I'm not going to lie. I'm reading the Hunger Games series again. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. They're so good. I, yeah. <laughs> All right. I just finished the first one. So time for the second one. Good. I, I just needed to know. Yeah. <laughs> so in college, uh, Allie went to Slippery Rock University. Uh, and she earned both her master's degree and uh, undergrad degree from there. Her bachelor's is in early childhood education with a concentration in international education. And her master's degree is in TESOL, uh, teaching English to speakers of other languages, which I would imagine has something to do with why Bolivia was of interest to her. So as we mentioned right now, Allie is a second grade teacher in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. And fun facts about Allie, she has been to 21 countries, four continents, and 34 states, and counting. So we're really excited to start interviewing Allie here about her trip to Bolivia. So I'll jump in with our first question. What made you choose to do a service learning project in Bolivia, and what was your process like to confirm that you were approved to go? Yeah, so I wasn't even really, like, looking for this experience. It kind of just found me, so I was literally just going down the stairs of the education building one day and I saw a flyer on the wall it said service learning project in Bolivia I said wow that sounds really interesting you know I really like to help people I also like to travel and I haven't been to Bolivia before Um, so I quickly got the information down and researched more about it and it seemed like a really great opportunity so I applied for it Um, I had to submit an application and I was accepted And in order to go on the trip, you had to have an updated passport, and you had to also have certain vaccines. I can't remember which ones they were right now, but you had to have ones to even get in the country. Like, this booklet that you had to show at customs before they let you in. So it wasn't, like, one of those things that, like, the CDC recommends you get this to travel here. It was you had to get this in order to get in the country. So plan accordingly because there were two shots that you needed to get, um, and you needed to get them couple months ahead of time can you like give us a little bit of an overview of that of like how long you were there for where you stayed what your schedule was like what or what were some of those projects you were involved in yeah so I was there for two weeks and I had never been somewhere that long before so that was a bit nerve-wracking um mm-hmm. I've only the longest I've ever been somewhere was 10 days so two weeks was amazing and I stayed with a host family which absolutely terrified me before I went there. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so shy. They're going to speak Spanish. I only know very little. So I was kind of freaking out once I was at the airport. I'm like, I cannot believe I'm doing this, but I really want to do it. So I'm just going to be a big girl and just do it. Um, So (laughs) I stayed with the host family for a majority of the time. And then there was a few times um, when we were actually building a school that we stayed in a hotel because it was Um, outside of where I was staying. So I actually stayed in Cochabamba, Bolivia. Um, That's a fun little name Cochabamba, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I stayed in Cochabamba with the host family, and then we did stay in a hotel a couple of nights um, when we were doing a service learning project. But a typical day was early mornings, and it was myself and another student from the university staying with me. We had probably, I think, 10 people total, Um, It was myself and other girls staying with this specific host family, and we would all have breakfast in the mornings. Um, My host mom, uh, Jeanette, she would cook us breakfast, and then we would get picked up by the bus, 
and go to whatever site we were working on that day. And then we would be let go for lunch, whether that was with our group or they took us back home. Um, Usually we went home because my host mom, Jeanette, and host dad, Miguel, were at home from work and we were all having a big family lunch. And then we would go back to the work site or we would have a meeting with the group to talk about what we're going to be doing for the rest of the day or the next day. And then we would either have dinner with the group or the host family. But most times it was with um, our host family. And when I say host family, I don't just mean my mom, dad, and one of my host brothers. I also mean like aunts, uncles, cousins. It was a <laughs> Extended <huge>. family. <laughs> yes, it was a really big deal. So we would always have dinner together accompanied by tea. There was always tea with dinner and usually some kind of meat and sometimes rice or other vegetables um, in the meal. So definitely had a, an amazing experience with my host family. It was incredible. And I didn't think I was going to get as close with them as I did, but I ended up bawling my eyes out when I had to leave them. It was <laughs> such a great experience. So are you still connected with your host family now, like at all? Yeah. So we're friends on Facebook and occasionally talk back and forth. Um, and we have to also get a visa. I forgot to mention that in the beginning, but you had to get a visa to go there. And mine's good for 10 years. So I still have, I think, six more years left on my visa. So I would like to go back and visit them, hopefully when it's safer to do so. That That's just, it's so cool that you you now have like a Bolivian family to, that's always going to be there. That's really cool. Yeah. You mentioned the family. Um, so were there any other connections that you made with local people or specific memories that you remember with the people? Yeah. So when we were doing the service learning projects, um, one of them was to build a school, as I'd previously mentioned, and we were working with the locals. So the families that were going to be benefited from this school, they were actually there helping us build the school right alongside of us. So my heart. (laughs) Yeah. Like we're just mixing cement with the mothers of the children who are going to be attending this school. The fathers are helping us lay the brick wall. And it was just such an incredible experience. Like I just remember distinctly talking to one of the builders and he was like in charge of the whole project and he knew very, very, very little English. So I had to speak to him in Spanish and I was panicking because we're building a wall here. Like this is not a joke. This is like kids are going to be inside this wall. So I had to quickly learn some construction words in Spanish. Don't ask me what they are now because I can't remember. But um, (laughs) I was able to learn some Spanish. And he ended up saying like, wow, your Spanish is really good. Which I was like, I just learned these words like two seconds ago. Um, But that was a very cool experience to, you know, work with the families who are going to be benefited directly from this school. And When we left, they gave us this huge celebration. They cooked us a local dish and they sprinkled confetti on our heads and gave us little gifts um, as like a thank you. So that was an incredible experience. And then we also helped at a um, bird sanctuary. There was more than just birds, but it was mostly birds. Um, And they hosted us there and gave us lunch and just really took the time to get to know us and our our culture as well as us learning more about their culture. So those service learning projects gave us a chance to connect with the locals and hear more of their story, which was 
incredible because you don't get that with you know a touristy experience that kind of brings me to a question of how does the Bolivian culture differ from United States culture Mm -hmm. so if you listen to last week's episode or two weeks ago probably now um, with Jules she talked about you know a slower pace of life people really you know get to enjoy their life it's not go 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 like here in the states so same kind of thing um, in Bolivia it's very slow extremely family oriented um so while I was there unfortunately um, my host mother's father was very sick and he was staying in the home and they were taking care of him so the family like from aunts uncles cousins everyone was there every day helping to take care of him they were taking turns with ships making food um so not that you don't see that here in the U.S. but you know, you're not always going to see aunt, uncle, cousin at the house every single day and just putting such an emphasis on family and spending time completely just engaged in dinner conversations, whether I knew what they were saying most of the time or not. They tried to translate whatever they could so that I could be a part of that conversation. I think that was, you know, really extraordinary that they even thought to include me not that they were you know going to be rude about it but you know they they didn't know English as well and I didn't know Spanish as well so we just kind of took the time to use as little language as we had to connect with one another and I think sometimes that's not really the case here in the U.S. it's kind of like well you don't speak English I'm not going to talk to you kind of thing so it was nice that they were patient and willing to help me learn. That's, that's really beautiful. So I guess that that's a good segue into a question. Like, what was it like to be immersed in the language and to be kind of on the outside of the language? Honestly, at first it was terrifying because um, how it worked, like once we had gotten to Bolivia, um, we had gotten into the bus that we were going to be using throughout the week. And the girl that I was going to be with staying at this family, they were like, oh, we're dropping you guys off first. I was like, oh, no, like, I'm not ready. I'm still kind of panicking because I don't really know much Spanish. I've been here for, like, maybe four hours. Um, so <laughs> as soon as we walk in the door, they start speaking Spanish, and I probably look like a deer in headlights. I cannot imagine the look on my face. But I just, like, knew, like, hola, como estas? And then that was pretty much the extent of, like, that conversation at first. And then we started to realize, like, okay, there's going to be – a language barrier here but like I said they take the time to you know help me out and I help them learn English and I just remember this one conversation at dinner and I don't even remember what my host mother asked me but somehow I was trying to say that I was hungry and instead I said I'm a man because <laughs> hungry and man are similar words in Spanish so just like that it was just something that I felt sometimes kind of tense trying to say the right words but we were able to just laugh and realize you know like we're humans we're gonna make mistakes we're both trying to learn each other's languages and it was it was challenging but I also left like learning so many words and when I came back I felt myself like having to realize I don't need to use my Spanish anymore I wanted to respond to people in Spanish but I was like wait I can use English again so it was almost <laughs> like it became second nature in my brain kind of switched over to Spanish but it was it was awesome it kind of gave me a better idea um, 
of what my future students might be experiencing because I do have that degree in TESOL, which is teaching English to speakers of other languages. And it made me realize like these kids are coming not knowing English sometimes and that's terrifying to them. People are just talking a mile a minute at them and they're absolutely terrified. And that was kind of how I felt. So it was nice to kind of get a glimpse of what my future students might be experiencing and taking away that I just need to be patient with them and we can connect even though we might not speak the same language. I love that. I You just said that so beautifully. I'm like, my heart is warm and fuzzy right now listening to you say this because it is something that's like, language can be a barrier and it's how we respond and are humbled by it too. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And so you've talked a lot about I mean, some really great memories that you have. Are there any other memories that you haven't touched on yet that you carry with you? Yeah. So like I talked about, the dinners was something that was really nice. Actually, I was there for my 20th birthday, and that was my first birthday ever away from my family, and I was in a completely other country. Um, And they took the time to make me a little cake. They sang happy birthday to me, and that was just like the sweetest thing ever because I was worried. Like, I didn't want to you know, make the day about me. I wasn't sure how they handled birthdays and stuff like that. So I didn't even really tell them it was my birthday until like the day before. I was like, hey, my birthday's tomorrow. Um, <laughs> um, so that was extremely nice. And then um, I also think it was the last day or two days before the last day, there was actually a protest happening um, in Cochabamba. And it was the most intriguing thing I've experienced. It was so peaceful and usually you don't really see that the the city was protesting um the government and they weren't agreeing with how they were handling things so they com- the city completely shut down and everyone had the day off so we got to spend time with my host parents and um myself and the other girl I was with and Paulo our host brother took us around and we just walked around the community And it like almost brought me to tears because it was just so beautiful to see everyone coming together. No one was arguing. No one was being completely outrageous. They just had cars blocking the road. They had some signs up. Um, I didn't know what they said. They were in Spanish, but they were protesting and it was so peaceful. The only thing that um, was like loud about it was they had firecrackers going off. So at first I was like, oh my gosh, these are gunshots, but they were not that. It was just firecrackers they were just having fun. Um, but they had a day off and just came together. And it was so moving to see that like a country can come together, completely shut down the city and no one was arrested. They were so peaceful about it. And that was just a really touching experience. Yeah, that's a, again, I will say, just as we said, when we interviewed Jules about Italy, there's something to learn from other countries, which yeah, is definitely, which is really cool. So those are some memories. Like what what are some adventures on a small scale or large scale that you got to partake in on your days off from your service learning projects? Yeah, so we only had a couple of days off because, you know, the main purpose was to do these service learning projects and give back to the community. But when we did have time off, I had the really unique experience of going to a baptism. Um, and if you're from America, you know how big like first birthdays can be for a child well take that and do it like times 15 because this baptism Mm -hmm. celebration was unreal like I had never seen such a huge celebration before for like this little tiny baby (laughs) and there was like gifts huge tents like 
catered and it was insane and somehow if you know me you're gonna be like no way you did this but somehow picky me tried cow tongue ate the whole thing mind you this cow tongue literally is like a tongue sitting on the plate it's not disguised as any other meat it's just a cow tongue um and i ate the whole thing it just tasted kind of like roast beef almost so yeah i know you're absolutely shocked oh my god wouldn't eat like anything besides chicken nuggets but (laughs) um, I did try cow tongue (laughs) I also had the chance to go to a market with my host dad Miguel and it was so cool they just had like fresh fruits and vegetables even had like clothes and other like random household stuff that you might want there but it was really unique to just walk down these stalls and get to experience you know how locals shop for their fresh produce um, so that was really mm-hmm. unique. And I didn't really get to spend as much time with my host father because he was working a lot. He owns his own company. Um, so it was nice to get that one-on-one time um, with him as well as the other girl that was staying with us. And then uh, my host brother had the chance to take us to a light and water show because it was around um, Christmas time. I had gone um, at January, so they still had some like Christmas stuff up. So we just walked around this park that had cool water fountains and light shows going. And then probably one of the most amazing experiences that I had was going to church um, with my host family. So it was a Catholic church and it was completely in Spanish. They gave me this like newspaper. I guess it was probably like the program. Again, don't know because it was all in Spanish. So I was like, <laughs> trying to follow along and like pick out words that I knew it was very hard but it was also very very cool to experience you know how other cultures um, go about their Sundays going to church what they do after church Um, and if you get the chance to do that I highly recommend whether you're religious or not just going and experiencing a church in another language in another country because it's unlike anything um, I've been able to experience before yeah, and religion is such a huge part of so many cultures that I I, I feel like I, I really want to go and do that. That would be just so unique and so immersive and probably very beautiful. Yeah. So that kind of gives us a really good sense of your time there and your memories. And it sounds like you had an amazing time. All in all, how like how would you summarize the impact that this trip had on your life now that you're back here in the United States? Yeah, so... To give you a little context, at the point that I had went on this trip, I had just, I had been able to start my master's degree when I was doing my undergrad. So I had been maybe one semester in and I thought, I think I want to do TESOL, get a degree in TESOL. And I think I want to, you know, work with students whose first language is not English, but I was still trying to figure it out. But after this trip, it really like solidified that this is what I want to be doing. And I think this is how I'm going to be able to make an impact in my local community. I don't have that job right now, but I'm, you know, have a goal of teaching um, TESOL eventually because I just realized, you know, we can be patient with other people. We can give them a chance just because they're not from our culture. They don't speak our language does not mean they're lesser than us. And I think those people often get a bad rap and I think they need the chance to start fresh and have an opportunity to be successful here. And I think this trip just really showed me that just because I don't speak the same language as someone doesn't mean I can't build a connection with them. And I think it just solidified that I really am passionate about TESOL and teaching, and I really want to make an impact 
with people and connect with people from different cultures. And it just gave me an appreciation for the life that I do have here. Bolivia, you know, isn't super poor in the part that I was in, but it just gives you an appreciation for the little things. Like they had to boil the water for us to drink every day. Whereas here I can just go up to my fridge and get out the ice and water and drink straight from without even thinking of it. So just puts into perspective, you know, how great we do have it here and just give me a better appreciation for everything in life, really. I feel like that is a wonderful way to wrap up. Ellie, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I, I know I feel inspired and I hope all of our listeners feel inspired. Um, so thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> thank you for giving me the chance to share this experience and kind of have a different, you know, on South America because sometimes it does get a bad rap. So I'm happy to shed some light on that and share my experience. Thanks for tuning in to the Wanderlusting Wives podcast. Come escape with us again next Tuesday morning. Give us a subscribe and a follow on all of our social media and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until we chat next week, wander on.